So Father, we thank you tonight that we can gather in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the victory that is ours. We ask you to bless this evening that everything that's <clears throat> said and done will bring you glory and honor. <clears throat> so we give you praise. And we bless the mighty name of Jesus. And so Father, minister to us tonight. In his name we pray. Amen. Um, and another reminder of what I was doing while I was praying. Oh, um, so we have tonight and then we have next week and uh, then we'll be off for the summer. I was debating as to whether or not to uh, um, continue having adult study, um, but I don't think we will because the first um, Wednesday I have an event that I have to go to. The second, uh, the women are wanting to switch theirs to that. The third is open, but then the fourth, I'm on vacation. And then we get into July, and in July we have camp a couple of weeks and so forth. So uh, unless um, there's a different uh, notice that comes out, next week will be our uh, last until we start up school again. So tonight... We're continuing what we talked about last week. Last week we started talking about how we limit God. And one of the ways that we limit God is um, not believing what he says. And so uh, how when we hear, see the word of God and we choose not to believe it, it isn't that God doesn't want to work in our life. What happens is we're, we are the ones that are limiting him. He, he wants to do so much more than we allow him to. Tonight, what I want to talk with you about is the cares of this world. How, you know, between the deceitfulness of riches, desires of other things, the lusts of this world, how those things keep us from experiencing everything that God wants for us. And basically what we do is we, we limit him. We keep, it, we keep him from be able, being able to accomplish, fulfill what he really wants to accomplish in our lives. And so our first scripture tonight, it's one we're all familiar with. It's, it comes from the teaching of Jesus on the parable of the seed and the sower. But in, in Mark, the fourth chapter, and beginning in the 18th verse, I'm just going to read the 18th and the 19th verse, and it says, <clears throat> Now these are the ones, talking about the seed, now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word <clears throat> and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And so what this verse is telling us is that the seed has been sown, but the cares of the world, the worries of the world, the things of the world, we allow those things to get in there. The, the deceitfulness of riches, Dece riches are deceitful. Um, riches promise to satisfy, and, and, um, but, but they never do. And we, we see that if we just look in our culture and our society, how so many of the individuals that are so prosperous, you know, you would think that they would um, be joyful and have peace and all those things, but they don't. It's because riches can never do that. Now, um, it, riches don't cause the sadness and the problems and the difficulty and so forth. Uh, it's sin that does that and the unregenerate heart not putting our trust in Jesus. But the point is, is we can have those things and we can have joy and we can have peace. We can have all of those things, but it's as we keep our focus upon him. The problem with the, the riches and the reason that it's deceitful and the thing about cares of the cares of the world and so forth, what it does is it, it draws our attention away from God. It keeps us from putting our, our trust and our confidence in Him. And so we begin to look to these different avenues and we think that this is what's going to satisfy me. This is what's going to make me happy. This is what's going to meet my need. And it never does. And um, so that's why people get so frustrated. It doesn't matter how much they make, they never make enough, they gotta make more, and uh, it, it'll never satisfy them. And so <clears throat> the seed that we're talking about here is the Word of God. 
And the ground that it's talking about is, it's that, that's our heart. And uh, within ourselves, we have the potential of producing a harvest. The Bible talks about a hundredfold return. That's the harvest that the potential of is on the inside of each and every one of us. But the thing that I want us to see is that <clears throat> the seed doesn't determine the harvest because it's the same seed. You know, if you go back and you read that whole parable, it's a wonderful parable, I love it. Um, there's so much truth there, and we can gain so much from it. But it, it shows us the different um, soils, uh, the hard ground on the side of the road where um, the seed never takes root, um, the seed that falls in the stony ground and it springs up immediately, but it withers when the sun comes out because it has no root. Uh, then we, the thorns that we're talking about today, that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things, um, they begin to grow up together and it chokes the word out. And then, of course, there's the soil that produces 160 and 30-fold. But the thing that I want you to notice is it's the same seed. It's the same seed. And so the, the harvest isn't determined by the seed because it's the same seed. The harvest is determined by our heart. And see, that's why, you know, we come into play uh, when, it, when, it, when it's talking about receiving from God. You know, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so anybody that will hear the word of God, faith will rise up on the inside of them. It's, it's not rocket science. Hear the word, faith comes. And so because we hear the word, faith is going to come. But what, what, what makes the difference is, is what do we do with that seed? Do we allow that seed to take root? Does that seed uh, send its roots deep? And, and, and so uh, do we, we clear the rocks out of the way? Do we um, clear the thorns and the thistles that want to choke that word out? Um, do we choose to reject those things? And do we allow that seed to begin to grow and begin to produce a harvest. You know, but the, the part about the seed is it has to have the opportunity to grow. Um, you know, the, the thing about it is, is I, I know in the past I've heard people teach it, and I, I don't know, I probably even taught it myself. Um, if I did, I was wrong. And, uh, but, but that it's, it's talking about a progression here. There's, there's no progression here. There's, there's three types of soil that did not produce fr fruit. Says that the one, it was on the side of the road. It didn't even, it didn't even start to grow. Birds of the air came and stole it. The second seed was on the rocky soil. It began to grow, but it withered away. Did not produce. The, that those seeds that fell upon the, uh, the cares of the world, the, the thorns, it began to grow. It, it grew alongside with uh, the the thorns and so forth. But you know what? It was choked out before it ever produced a harvest. And so what we see here is if we don't properly take care of the soil, we won't produce a harvest. You know, we, 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 can, we can sow that seed year after year after year after year after year after year. But if we don't take care of that soil, it's not going to produce a harvest. And so what's it about? It's about the soil. It's about you and I. It's about our heart. It's about us getting rid of those things that, that try to hinder us. You know, I, I believe, you know, and this is strained from the teaching, but not really. I believe when we begin to talk about the, the rocky soil, I believe we're talking about things that we've allowed to continue in our life that we never got out of there. And uh, when the seed begins to grow out, once it begins to choke it out. You know, so if I don't, if I don't get rid of the, the doubt and unbelief in my life, if I don't get my doctrine and my believing right, what will happen is eventually those things will rise up and it'll be like a rock and it'll, it'll choke out and I won't get the harvest. Well, give me an example, Pastor Dave. Well, okay, I will. <clears throat> you know, take healing, for example. You know, there's a lot of people that hear a lot of teaching on healing. <clears throat> but oftentimes, what they don't do is they don't repent. 
they don't repent of the doubt and unbelief. And to me, repentance means turning from it. It's just like when I was born again. When I was born again, I had to repent from everything that I had um, trusted in in the past. I had to repent of it, I had to turn from it, and I had to put my trust completely in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. And so a lot of churches, even churches in this town, but say, we love you, Pastor Dave. We love you, Pastor Dave. But it's the truth. There's churches in this town that say that there's multiple ways to heaven. That's a rock. What will happen is when you reach a time of crisis, that rock will rise up and it will pre present doubt and unbelief in your life. Let me give you an example. I was in the Philippines, and you, you've, many of you have heard this story already. Many of you have heard many of all my stories. You know, <clears throat> but uh, we were in the Philippines, and one Sunday after church, Pastor Forts, who was a pastor, and she'd go to some of the burials uh, there around Cricho. Um, and is it Cricho or Calibo? Calibo's in? Cricho's Kenya. Cricho, so it's Calibo. I get those, you know. You don't know the difference, so just ignore all that. <clears throat> But anyway, she came from one of the villages, and, and we, were, we were sitting down, we were having lunch, um, Pastor Becky and I, and uh, Jimmy and Mary. And uh, she comes and she says, well, I was at a, a new uh, church today, and there was this young couple that was there, and they were wondering if um, uh, Pastor Dave and Brother Jimmy uh, would come to their house this afternoon because they had a demon that was manifesting in their house. I mean, how do you pass up a manifesting demon? I mean, you got to go. There's just, there's just such a pull there. You know, and so uh, I hopped on the back of Jimmy's motorcycle, and, and, and that's an experience right there. We won't go into that, but that's the experience right there. And, and so we, we, we go to this little burial, and we pull in there, and there's this little... Um, uh, house. Uh, a, lot, a lot of the people lived in Nipa huts, but this was actually a little two-room house that was built out of um, block. Had a thatch roof and so forth, but the house itself was, was block. And, and it was a young couple. They had two little children. And, uh, and so they wanted, uh, we, we began to talk with them and, and uh, uh, we, we said, so what's, what's this deal about this, this demon? And so they take us through their house to the one, bedroom, one room, which was their sitting area and so forth. The kitchens were all outside because he used wood and so forth. And they went back into another room through a door, and there was their bedroom. And, uh, and they were upgrading their house uh, when he could afford a sack of concrete, he'd buy a sack of concrete, mix it up, and they'd pour the floor. And so the, the living room floor was almost all poured. The front was still dirt, but the living room floor was just about all poured, except there was one corner. In that corner, there was a, a pile of dirt that stood about this high and came out from the corner of the room, you know, about, about that far. And uh, they said it's, uh, they, they called the witch doctor, and the witch doctor said it's a demon because it's growing. And so this pile of dirt has been growing. And they said grandma touched it and got sick. The dog touched it and died. You know, and so now what they had to do is they'd go to the witch doctor, and every week they had to go to the witch doctor, and they'd take a chicken with them. And, uh, you know, the witch doctor would do whatever witch doctors do. And, you know, they'd be all right for another week. But then they'd, eventually they'd have to go to the witch doctor again, and he'd do his, do his thing. And so we went into the front room. We sat down with them, and the little baby had been, been sick. And uh, so it had this little pouch around its neck uh, that they'd gotten from the witch doctor. And so uh, on, the, on their wall they had a, a picture of... I don't remember now if it was a picture of Jesus or a picture of Mary, and it had their beads and stuff hung around it. And, and so this is, a, this is a new couple. They had just, just been born again just a very short time prior to this. And so we sat down with them and, and you know, to confirm the fact that they had really prayed and received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 
But what they had done, and this is an extreme, but oftentimes this is what we do. This is what happens without repentance. Well, pastor, I thought you didn't believe in repentance. Of course I believe in repentance. Repentance for us as believers is a lifestyle. We don't, we don't repent one time and that's the end of it. We live, a, we live a life of repentance. What does that mean? It means there's constantly things that rise up in our life that we recognize that do not line up with the Word of God. We repent of it. We make a decision. I'm going to turn from that and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do the right thing. Now, a lot of people, uh, they think every time you know, we, we mess up, we have to confess our sin. They use 1 John 1, 9 for that. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins, cleanse from all, righteous, all unrighteousness. But see, I believe that when we were born again, when we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we repented of our sin. And at that point, our sin was forgiven, past, present, and future. And so that doesn't mean that every time that I, I, I mess up or I recognize that I messed up, I've got to confess my sin again. No, what that means is God has revealed something to me and I repent of it. I turn of it, turn from it. Now, if you want to call that confessing your sin, go for it. But don't just confess your sin, repent. Because the problem that we have in the church today isn't a problem with confessing sin. The problem we have in the church today is a problem with repentance. Confession of sin, people call confession of sin is saying they're sorry. To be sorry is not repentance. Repentance doesn't manifest until we turn, until we change. As Dr. Kowai said, change is not change until it's change. And so we've not really repented until we've made, we, we've made a change. Now there may be a progression with that. There may be a process with that. But there has to be a turning before there's ever a repentance. If, I, if I'm going to if I'm going to Carol, or excuse me, well, I'll do that. If I'm going to Carol, but I'm driving towards Boone, I can't simply say, I'm sorry I'm driving to Carol, I'm uh, to Boone, but I'm going to Carol and drive, continue to drive to Boone. No, I've got I've to repent. I've got I've to start making a turn at some point in time and change the direction that I'm going for there to be repentance because that's what repentance is. It's changing my direction. Now, if I acknowledge that I've done something and, and I'm sorry for it and so forth, but I don't ever change it, I've not repented. I've just been sorry. I'm sorry. Well, let me put it this way. Sorry, sorry doesn't cut it. We've got to repent. And so, anyway, so here we are. We're, we're sitting with this young couple and we begin to share with them. And this is what we began to see. You know, the Philippines was a, was a pagan nation. They, they worshipped um, idols, uh, idolatry, and so forth. That, that's what the Philippines was. But then Catholicism came in. And so, so much of Catholicism in the Philippines, and I'm not talking about this everywhere, I'm talking about in the Philippines and what we saw. What they would do is they, would, they, they simply took they took Catholicism and they added it to their paganism. And so there was a mixture. And so the problem is, is what people then wanted to do was when they heard the gospel and they received Christ as their Lord and Savior, they wanted to take that and add it to what they already have. But that's not how it works. You repent. You, you turn from it. You don't, you don't trust in what you once trusted in. At a time in my life, I trusted in the fact that I was baptized as an infant, that I went through confirmation, that I went to church on a regular basis. When I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I repented of that. Not that I was sorry that I do those things or did those things, but I couldn't trust those things because that was not a qualification for salvation. There's only one thing that qualifies us for, for salvation. And that's belief, trust, 
trusting in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, believing that he died for my, for my sins and he was resurrected for my justification. That's, that's the only thing we trust in. And so all the, all the rest of the religious, fringy stuff, that all goes by the wayside. So he sat down with this young couple and we began to share with them um, Jesus and confirmed that they had received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so then we, we said to them, now, since you have Jesus, you put all of your trust, you put all of your confidence in Jesus. You don't put your trust in, in anything else. You don't go to the witch doctor no more because you don't trust the witch doctor. Jesus is your healer. Jesus is your deliverer. You don't, you don't trust the rituals any longer. You put your trust in Jesus because he's the answer. And so we asked then for the little pouch that was on the little baby's shirt and we took it and we tore it open and they just about fainted, you know, because you don't, you don't do that. And in that little pouch, there was a spent shell, 22 shell. Uh, there was a couple of beans. And there were a couple other things. I can't remember exactly what it was. But we just said, see, that, that's all that it is. And that's all that they are. There's no curse that goes along with that. You don't have to worry about that any longer. You're free from that. And so, they, you know, and they're getting happier all the time because they're they're understanding what we're, we're saying and so forth. And so then they said, so uh, what do we do about the pile of dirt? And we said, well, you got a shovel. Yeah, yeah. And so they get us a shovel. And I mean, by this, the whole vill time the village is looking, you know, they're watching it. And so you get in there, and we take the shovel, and it's, it's like a rock. We can't even budge it. And so we say, you got to crowbar or something, so they came into the crowbar and we broke the thing up. It was a termite hill. Now, the, the, the devil is real. Witchcraft is real. But he'll use a natural phenomena to bring fear into our lives. And so we, we dug that thing up. We hauled that dirt and those termites out of that place. And I'm pretty sure by the time the day was over, he had his concrete and had that thing done. But see, that's the lie of the enemy. But see, that's an extreme. But how many times have we done basically the same thing? You know, when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I had to repent of what I was trusting in. When I received Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, as my healer, I had to repent of what I put my trust in. Now, don't misunderstand me. I, I still believe in doctors. I go to the doctor, you know, uh, and, and so on and so forth. I'm, I'm not preaching. You can't go to the, the doctor or, or you have to forsake medicine and all those things. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, what do you put your trust in? You know, do you go to the doctor first or do you pray first? Do you think about Jesus first or do you think about how this is going to kill me first? You know, where do we put our trust? So we, we turn, we, we repent of the position that we used to have, prosperity. I had to repent of what I, used, what I, what I trusted. I was raised in a household. Um, you get what you work for. And so it was all about what, what I did, how hard I worked, how much effort I put in it, what I did. Now, I believe the scriptures that if a man isn't willing to work, neither should he eat. So I believe that it's a godly thing to work. But what do I put my trust in? My, my job may be the avenue by which, by which God brings money into my life or substance into my life, but Jesus is the one I work for. He's the boss. He's the one that I follow. And so what do I put my trust in? I trust in him. That's why I, I do my job. I get my paycheck. I pay tithes and offerings. Why? Because I'm putting my trust in God, in Jesus, not in my ability. <coughs> but because the moment that we, you know, that's why, this isn't part of the message, so if you don't like it, just ignore it. <coughs> that's why giving tithes and offerings are so important. Because it's how we demonstrate, I don't trust in what I'm doing, I'm trusting in what Jesus has done in my life. 
And what I do then is I open the door that he can bring blessing above and beyond what I could ever ask or think. But there's people that confess what the scriptures say, but they've never placed themselves in a position where God can bless them above and beyond their ability because they only have confidence in themselves. They haven't put trust in God. <clears throat> As you can see by the notes, this, is, this isn't part of my message. But uh, praise the Lord, just the same. That's what's so wonderful about being in charge. I can do whatever I want. Praise the Lord. And someday I may have to repent of that too. But you know, in order to do that, we've got to know him. See, the, the problem with that young couple was, even though they had prayed and received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, by and large, they just knew about him. They didn't know him. And you know, there's a lot of people today, they know about Jesus, but they don't know him because they haven't gotten themselves, allowed themselves to be in a position where they really put their trust in him. And we're not going to see the increase in our life until we do that. Do you realize, <clears throat> really, the, the theme, or one of the main themes of the new covenant is increase. I mean, it's going to all the world and preach the gospel. Why? Increase. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Why? Increase. By the stripes of Jesus, we've been healed. Why? So that we can increase, so that we can be healthy, so that we can be whole, so that we can fulfill the purpose that God has for each and every one of us. You know, why, why, is, why is the church so important? The church is important for increase, not decrease, increase. But how do we get there? Well, in your notes it says, um, talks about Psalms 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. We talked about it on Sunday. You're, you're never going to know that God is real, that God is God in all the noise. At some point in time, there has to be quiet. At some point in time, we have to be still. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> you ever notice how people brag about how busy they are? Well, pastor, you know, people are, they're, they're complaining about being too busy. No, they're, they're bragging. <laughs> Praise the Lord. They're bragging. You know, see, this, I'm so important. See, this is how busy I am. <clears throat> but you know, I, I've noticed something. Um, at least for me. Nobody can put anything on my schedule unless I put it there. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in control. And, uh, you know, there, there's times when I'm really busy. But you know what? Uh, it's, it's my fault. It's either my fault or Becky's fault because she wanted to have four kids who had 14 grandkids. You know, so really in a way it's more her fault because if you remember Mother's Day, she talked about how that's all that she ever wanted to do was be a mother. And so she was and, and so... Uh, you know, so our schedule works around that, and so it's her fault. But, but, we're in, we're, but we determine a lot of those things. And so uh, um, rather than um, bragging about it or complaining about it, we, we need to do something about it. Because you know what, if I can, if I can schedule my whole day, if, if I'm scheduling it, that means that it's within my power to schedule a time that I can have a quiet time, that I can be still, and why? So that I can know that he is God. You know, I was, uh, again, raised in an environment where um, you, you proved your value by what you would produce. And, uh, and so, you know, when I, I became a pastor, it was, it was the same thing. You know, like, like to this day, I still, you know, have office hours. 
you know, most of the pastors that I know, uh, if they don't have something going on, you don't, you don't find them. They go home, they go here, they go there. Um, uh, I can play golf in front of you and you will know that I have not spent too much time on my golf game. I'll guarantee it. Uh, but but it but it's you know a lot of it revolves around um, my upbringing and so forth and so I can remember in the early days uh, even here um, I, I got to the place where I just I just needed to get away from stuff and so I would go out to Seven Hills or I'd go out to you know one of the other parks and I'd just you know be quiet out there and I'd just go for a walk and be away from everything. And, and a lot of times after I was done with that, I would feel guilty. And I'd feel guilty because I was not earning um, the money that I was being paid because I was out you know, in the great, wonderful outdoors when I ought to be you know, in my office slaving away or doing something. You know, but then it finally hit me that uh, it wasn't just simply for my benefit. It was for the congregation's benefit. It was for the church's benefit. Because if I've been still, and I know who God is, that means that I'm going to have something to share with you. Now, if my life has just been busy and I haven't had any time to get away by myself and be quiet before God, um, I'm going to give you something canned. And uh, if, it's, if it's something that's just simply canned, is that really going to present you with what you really need in your life? And so the same thing is true in each and every one of our lives, whether we, be, uh, we, we have a job, uh, a particular job, a vocation, where we're, we're employed or we're self-employed or whether we're a homemaker or, or retired or whatever we may be, um, or just tired. <clears throat> you know, the thing about... Um, being still and knowing that he is God, we have something to offer somebody. Remember what I said just a few moments ago about the new covenant? It's about increase. When I'm still and I'm in that position where I am able to know God for who he really is, that means I am then in a position to bring increase. I bring increase for me to the church, but not to, only to the church, to my family, to my neighbors, to those around me, each and every one of us. We've been called to be ministers of the gospel. And so if we've been still and we know that God is that God, is God then we have something to begin to offer to people. But you know, <clears throat> I guess what I'm wanting to get in this part of the lesson is, but we, we don't do that. And so as a result of that, everything is so loud. It distracts us. It keeps us from hearing what we need to hear. In 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, it talks about Elijah and uh, how he's trying to hear from God. And uh, you're all familiar with this account, but let me read it to you anyway. It comes from 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, in the 11th verse. And he said... Come out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... A still small voice. You know, it, it, it's 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 interesting. You know, especially when I look back to the early days of the charismatic renewal and the Word of Faith message, and we'd go to these conferences and and we'd we'd talk about the the shaking of the Holy Spirit. You know, and there were conferences that were. Uh, entitled fire. You know, like there was fire for the nations, but that's just a portion of. There were so many fires, you know, where we'd go there to, to hear the voice of God. And, you know, we'd come away all fired up. But, you know, I look back and I wonder, how many times did we really hear the voice of God? Or we just got our emotions 
worked up. Because notice what he says here. It's in the still small voice. You know, God can move in the spectacular. He can be loud. He can, he can do it in a way that we can't miss him. But that's not the norm. I would venture to guess 99% of the time, the way that we hear from him and we get direction from him, it's going to be in the still small voice. You know, Matthew 11, it talks about Jesus, or Jesus says concerning himself, I'm gentle, or another translation says meek, and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. You know, so it isn't, Jesus wasn't this loud voice. You know, the only times that we see him getting loud is, you know, when he's driving people out of the temple and so forth. But I have the majority of the time, he was pretty gentle with people. The only time I see that he really got loud was when he was upset. And he was upset with religion and uh, the lies and the deception. But otherwise, he was gentle. He was quiet. And I believe that that's how the Lord's number one way that he moves in our lives. And so that means in order for us to be able to hear that, we're going to have to be willing to put ourselves, allow ourselves to be in a position to hear from him. Uh, God is constantly speaking to us, but we need to spend time to be still. He's constantly speaking to us, but I think oftentimes we don't hear him uh, because, again, we're too busy. Uh, you know, without hearing from him, well, let me put it this way. I think a lot of times we wrestle with being quiet. Because what happens when we're quiet, we, <clears throat> we begin to hear things that we really don't want to hear. Because oftentimes it's in those quiet times that, you know, we're exposed. We begin to see and feel our insecurities. We begin to feel and see our inadequacies. But see, that's a, that's a ploy of the enemy to keep us from being quiet. You know, that's where, you know, spiritual authority, we've spent 26 weeks on that. That's why that was so important. Because the majority of that time was talking about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so that's why we, we, we need to be quiet because it's in those quiet times that we really begin to be hear who we are in Christ Jesus so that we can get to that place that we can believe what he says about us. But the other thing that happens during that time is we begin to recognize those lies that come against us because those lies want to speak louder than the voice of God. And that's when we've got to be willing to take authority over that and and put it down and say, no, 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 no. That, that's not what the Bible says about me. That may be what I feel about me, but that's not what the Bible says about me because we have to get to the point where we choose what the Bible says over what I feel. Because for the feelings to change, what I believe has to change. And when I begin to believe what God's Word says about me, you know what? the feelings begin to line up. They begin to change with it as well. It's, it's, it's part of the process. But, <clears throat> but we've got to get into that place where we begin to hear what he has to say. We need to know his voice. It was last week we talked about how the, his sheep know his voice. What was that on Sunday? One or the other. How uh, his sheep know his voice. They hear his voice. We need to believe that we hear his voice, that we know his voice. You know, for years, there were, there were certain individuals that would come into me and they, they'd, they'd say, Pastor, I, I, just, I, just, I just don't think I hear from God. And, uh, and of course, my mercy, I oftentimes couldn't say what I really thought. <clears throat> you know, but, but you're a child of God. And so don't let that come out of your mouth. Because you hear the voice of God. You know the voice of God. 
You may not always recognize it because we haven't allowed ourselves to get into that, that position to hear it, but we have to get ourselves into that place where we hear his voice, we know his voice, because when we know his voice, it will distinguish it from all the other voices. Because you know what? There's a, there's, a, there's a whole slew of voices out there that want to that wanna deceive us, that want to keep us beaten down, keep us thinking that we can't when the Bible says we can. Because the Bible says we can do all things through Christ as he strengthens us. And, and I know that <clears throat> that's probably a passage that, I, that you think I overuse. But I'm standing before you tonight because of that passage. And I don't think you can overuse that passage. Because everything the enemy does, he wants to come against that to where we no longer believe it. He wants to get us to the point to where we just quit and give up because we think we can't do it, we can't take it anymore. Yes, we can. Yes, we can because we can do all things through Christ. If we can't, it's because we've switched our focus from Jesus and we've put it back on self. Because when we put it on self, that's when, we, that's when we're defeated. In John, or excuse me, in Mark, the sixth chapter, in the 31st verse, and it says, he said to them, come aside by yourself to this deserted place and rest a while. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, come aside by yourself, yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. And this is why. <clears throat> For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They were so busy. You know, I shared this a while back. <clears throat> I, I, I still remember this when I was at COC, when I was in school down there. During one of the summer camps, there was an individual that came in and he prophesied over the, the leadership of Christian Outreach School of Ministries. And, and the prophecy... I don't remember exactly, but, but one of the lines in the prophecy was that they were to guard themselves against the spirit of busyness. I'll tell you something, the enemy loves nothing more than to get you busy. Because he wants to have you so busy that you don't have time to hear from God. You don't have time. You know, we see this in our, our culture that we're in today. People are too busy to go to church. People are too busy uh, to have a time of devotion. People are too busy uh, to have family prayer. People are too busy because everybody's off doing this thing, that thing, and the other thing. Everybody's scattered in all different directions. And the busyness isn't just with, with the head of the household, the mom and dad. It's with everybody in the household. Everybody's going in one direction or another. And I know of this of which I speak. I remember when our kids were in high school. It was, it was like a zoo. Everybody going off in a different direction at the same time. And so if you don't make the determination that <clears throat> I'm not going to allow this, catch this, spirit of busyness get a hold of me, your, your, your life will be chaotic. And guess what? <clears throat> what you think is going to pass becomes the norm. Busyness becomes the norm in your life. I can remember there were, there were times I'd think, well, you know, I just can't wait till things slow down a little bit. Then one day it hit me. This is as slow as it's ever going to get. It ain't going to slow down at all. And so you know what I had to do? I had to make some decisions. I had to take control rather than allowing that spirit of busyness control my life. I'm not going to tell you how to do that because I'm not sure I know how. I know how for me. But you know, there, there's things that will survive without us that we can give that time to our Lord and to our Savior. And he said to them, speaking to his disciples, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place. 
Why a deserted place? Because they aren't going to be bothered by anybody there. That was the point. Why does the Bible say that we're, we're to, uh, you know, not pray uh, on the street corners and before the crowds, that we're, we're, to, we're to get away in our closet and pray quietly, privately? <clears throat> I'm not, I don't, I don't think what he's saying is, is we've got a, uh, you know, and I know people that do this, have done this, and I, I'm not saying that they're wrong, who actually cleaned out a closet, and that was their prayer closet, and they'd go in that closet and hide out and pray. I, I guess that's a good thing. I, I don't think that's exactly what he's saying, but I do believe what he's saying is there needs to be a time and a place where we can get away by ourselves so that we don't have all the distractions, we don't have all the things that are coming against us Jesus did it. We're not going to read it, but in Matthew, the 14th chapter, talks about how Jesus sent his disciples away and he stayed by himself and communicated with the Father. Jesus. If Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Savior of mankind, who had spent all of eternity past in the presence of Father God, while he walked on earth, he still needed time where he was separated and alone with the Father. Hmm, couldst it be that we might need it? I think we do. Well, let me rephrase that. I know we do. We need time with the Father. And so we need to make sure that we, we take that time. Roman numeral four, Jesus has given us authority to run our lives, but we can only reach our full potential when become <clears throat> full potential depending on, on God, when we look to him for leadership. And so we, we run our own lives, but it's as we look to him as we rely upon him, as we depend upon him. We see this in Jeremiah 10, 23. It says, O oh Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own path. It's not in himself. It's not in us. It's in him. Now, we have the advantage over Jeremiah because we do have the Holy Spirit who lives and resides on the inside of us. So technically, the answer is in us. But we have to position ourselves so that we can hear that which is already in us. Because we make the choice. You know, uh, where we are today is a direct result of the choices that we made yesterday. It's a line I use a lot in the prisons. <laughs> and they just love hearing that. <clears throat> but it's truth. And so if you want your tomorrows to be different from your todays, we have to do something differently. You know, you've all heard the, the saying, the epitome of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different income outcome. And oftentimes that's what we do. We do the same thing over and over again, and then we wonder, why doesn't anything ever change in our life? It's because I haven't changed. It's because I'm the same. And I'm doing the same thing over and over again because I'm the same. And so that means <laughs> I've got to change. I've got to change what I, how I think. I've got to change how I act. There's cases where I've got to change what I believe. Because what I'm believing doesn't line up with the Word of God. That limits God. That's what we talked about last week. I've got to change the importance that I put upon the things of this world because the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things. It'll cause the Word of God to be ineffective in my life. And what it does is then I limit God because I'm dependent upon self rather than putting my dependency upon him. Another passage we're all familiar with, Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you 
that have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And so I, I, I choose. You know, I say, isn't it ironic? God knew how dense we were because he gave us the answer. <laughs> he gives us a choice and then he tells us what to choose. But notice something else about this verse. You know, the other thing that I see throughout the scripture, which I think is so key, which we ignore, is the generational transfer. That every generation ought to go further than the generation that precedes it. You know, I expect my children to go further in the things of God than I ever dreamed or imagined going. That's going to affect their spiritual life, but you know what? It's going to affect every area of their life. They ought to be blessed. They ought to, be, ought to prosper more than me in every area of their life. Why? Because of the wisdom of God that's been passed on to them. My grandchildren ought to go even beyond my children. My great-grandchildren, if Jesus tarries, ought to go even, even further. We've got to get over, we've got to get past Every generation starting over again. Or the worst of it is, that's what we see within Christendom. We see a move of God. And we see one generation that is excited about the things of God. The next generation, they tolerate the things of God. And the next generation basically walks away from the things of God. And so then the next generation has to start all over again. I think we need to stop that cycle. And the way that we stop that cycle is making sure that that the generation that follows us goes further than we go. That they don't just settle. <clears throat> they, they don't believe just because of what mom and dad believes. You know, <clears throat> God has no grandkids. He only has children. And so that means each and every individual has to have a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for themselves. You know, <clears throat> probably because he was our first child, but I remember when Jeff went away and he went to Oral Roberts University after, after school, after high school. And he was down there in Tulsa away from mom and dad and everything he's familiar with. And, you know, we went to orientation down there and it was, I believe it was, well, I know it was Oral that spoke to us. And uh, he says, you know, Oral Roberts University is not a, uh, it's not a treatment center uh, it's not, uh, I forget what all he called it, but he says, <clears throat> every problem you have on every other campus, campus, hopefully not to the same degree, but you'll find it here. And so as a student, uh, they'll find what they're looking for if they want it. And, uh, and, and so I remember uh, Jeff, it was after the first semester and we're, we're visiting, we're talking, and there's this poll, there's all these other activities going on, all this other stuff that you could, you could get involved in if you wanted to. And uh, he, he shares how, I don't remember if it was in chapel or whatever, but anyway, one day he, he came to the realization. He says, I realized I had to come to the conclusion that I believe this because I believe it not because mom and dad believed it. He had to come to his own faith. And that's what we've got to do for each and every one of our kids. We have to make sure that they believe for themselves, that it isn't based upon what mom and dad believed. Thank God for what mom and dad believed, if it was right. <laughs> but you don't stop there, you move on. You know, there's people that will not move on with the things of God, even though that they know, though they know there's more available to them because of mom and dad. They don't want to hurt mom and dad and they don't want to whatever with mom and dad. And so rather than pushing them on out of the nest unto more, the, 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 the greater things, they're stifled. And you know what happens when somebody stifles? They eventually get stuffy and it becomes a stench, and they lose it. And that's what I see, you know, <clears throat> in, in the kingdom of God, nothing is stagnant. 
Nothing is stagnant. You're either moving forward or you're sliding backwards. You know, Sandy Brown put it this way. She said, if you haven't learned something about God today, you're backslid. <laughs> that may be an extreme, but she was pretty extreme. But the point is, is you're not where you were a month ago. You've either progressed and moved forward or you've gone backwards. You may not feel like it, but you have. And so that's why we have to make the decision every day, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to maintain my faith, my trust, my confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, that's one of the reasons why I struggle when we stop Wednesday evening, because uh, at least there's a portion of the people I know I get to address twice a week. Now we're back to once a week. And so what that means is everybody has to make a decision. I'm going to continue to progress. I'm going to continue to move forward. I have to make a decision to do something. And so that's where we're at. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, we're all familiar with it. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to God, for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. You know what we're really casting down? Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things. Because that's what wants to bring us into that place of stagnation. And we just refuse it. And so every one of us is important. What we believe is important. I just want to make, I know we got to quit here, but I just want, <clears throat> I want you to think about this. You know, because oftentimes we see ourselves as insignificant. And so we see ourselves as, is it really important whether or not I truly hear the voice of God? Well, it is. It's important in your life. It's important in your family's life. It's important in the life of everybody around you. But think about this. In Acts, the ninth chapter, Paul had his Damascus Road experience. And he was led into Damascus, and it was spoken to him that there would be a man by the name of Ananias that would come to him, and uh, he would pray for him, and he would show him the things that he must do. Ananias was not a prophet. He was not a pastor. He had no, that we, that we know of, any position in the church. This is what it says about him. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said, and so he heard the voice. So here you have a disciple. He's, he's just a believer like you and me. You would think the man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, God would have sent somebody special to make sure that he got the message. No, he sent a disciple. He sent somebody just like you and me to go and speak to Saul, who eventually became Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, gave us the revelation of the church, the revelation of the body of Christ, the revelation of the rapture. All that came through Paul, who Ananias visited to deliver the message that God had for him. Now, that may not mean much to you, but I happen to think that that's pretty cool. Because that means if, Ananias, if God can use Ananias, he can use little old me. He can use you to do great things. Of course, I have a feeling that Ananias really didn't have a clue of the significance of what he was doing, but he was obedient. He didn't allow 
the cares of this world because he had heard about Saul. He said, uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> you sure about this? I've heard about this, Saul. He's rounding up Christians, people like me, and he's throwing them in prison. God said, yeah, I'm sure. And he obeyed. The rest is history. Well, be blessed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, have a blessed week. We'll see you Sunday. And... Uh, Again, next week will be our last Wednesday evening for a couple of months. So have a blessed time.